Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, breaking math fans. Are you an astronaut farmer? Do you love space travel? Or do you just want to know how to predict what an object in space is going to do next? Do you want to impress that beau that likes Einstein and your poster of him with his tongue out just isn't cutting it? Then you'll love the Breaking Math Tensor poster. If you have that already, or you're just more of a t-shirt or sticker person, they also have a Redbubble store with fun designs and more coming soon. I just got an analog binary clock with curving stripes to show the ones and zeros that makes the perfect addition to any office, classroom, or laboratory. Breaking Math has a fun TNT shirt for all you chemists. So get on that device and find the most mathematical holiday presents. Facebook.com slash Breaking Math Podcast and Redbubble.com slash people slash Breaking Math Pod for all the t-shirts, stickers, and that fun binary clock. There are times in mathematics when we are generalizing the behavior of many different but similar entities. One such time that this happens is in the use cases of big O notation, which include describing the long-term behavior of functions and talking about how accurate numerical calculations are. On this problem episode, we're going to discuss big O notation and how to use it. Episode P12, Oh My God. I'm Sophia, and you're listening to a Breaking Math Problem episode. Uh, today I'm going to be alone again, but we're going to talk about big O notation. So uh, you probably have run into this if you've ever studied computer science for any length of time. You may have even uh, run into this referred to indirectly if you've heard something taking, for example, exponential time. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, what this means and how to use it. And uh, we're going to start by talking about algorithm runtime. There's an old joke about a painter painting lines on the road. There is someone employed to paint lines on the road. They come into work on Monday, fresh and happy. Their foreman places a bucket of paint on the ground and says to the painter, I need you to paint lines every day. On the first day, the painter paints 100 lines. The foreman comes at the end of the day and is impressed, and starts telling everyone about this painter's efficiency. On the second day, however, the painter only paints about 40 lines. The foreman comes at the end of the day and is less impressed, since this is about average. The day after, they only paint around 30 lines, and the next day, 25. And this continues until, by the second Friday, he's down to 16 lines per day. The foreman calls the worker for a private meeting and tells them, I was really impressed with your work the first day. You're well above average. The second day, you did about average work, but your performance has been dropping, and now you're down to less than the sixth of what your performance was on the first day. Are you having trouble with something? And the painter replies, It's not my fault. The new lines are getting further and further from the paint bucket. So... 
this is the difference. So we're going to use this to explain the difference between linear and quadratic runtime. So, you know, if he would have just carried the paint buggy, he probably would have painted a lot of lines, right? Or at least moved it uh, every few lines. That would be what's called linear runtime, where the number of things you have to do is in proportion with how long it takes. Uh, so um, let's say you have 100 lines, it takes like, you know, 100 minutes. Uh, 120 lines, 120 minutes. 15 lines, 15 minutes, and so on. Versus quadratic runtime, which is the total time that it would take uh, this person who leaves a paint bucket at the starting point to do a certain number of lines. If it took the painter one day to draw 100 lines, it would take him four days to draw um, 200 lines, nine days to draw 300 lines, 16 days to draw 400 lines, and so on. So using this system, 100 lines takes one day, but this person finishing 1,000 lines will take 100 days. Um, where, where if it were a linear algorithm, this would only take uh, 10 days. And as you can see, there's a big difference between these two. So um, what does this mean? And what does this uh, mean about big O notation? How does this relate? So this runtime can actually be uh, described using big O notation. A linear runtime, which is carrying the paint bucket, can be described as big O of N. You just write a capital O, open parentheses, lowercase n or whatever case n you want, but it's usually, but it's usually lowercase n parentheses. Um, versus quadratic runtime, which is big O of n squared. So what big O is, is that as n gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it describes the uh, behavior of the function. So for example, uh, big O of 4n is actually the same thing as big O of n, and we'll explain why. So basically, if you take 4n divided by n as you go um, to infinity, as n goes to infinity, it just uh, the value of this uh, ratio stays 4. And since it's a constant, in big O notation, they're equivalent. That is the heart of the big O notation. If you go to infinity and the ratio of two big O functions is a constant, then they are equivalent. That is why big O notations are written in the simplest uh, form. For example, uh, big O of n squared plus n would be just usually written big O of n squared. Because if you think about it, n squared plus n divided by n squared, as you go to um, infinity, just keeps getting closer and closer to one. Uh, to plug in exact values, so the formula for this n squared plus one over n squared, when uh, n is a one, it's two. If it, when n is two, it's 1.25, then it's 1.11, 1.06, and uh, by the time we're at uh, the 19th value, it's 1.002. And if you just keep going, like yeah, let's say we did, um, we're at 1.000000000001. Um, and it just keeps getting closer and closer to one. And since one is a constant, um, you know, value that doesn't change, uh, the values are equivalent. So big O of n squared is what we usually use because big O of like n squared plus 100n will be the same thing because n gets very large, it's still n squared just goes way past it. You can think about this uh, geometrically as the difference between the um, area of a square with a certain area on uh, one length and the amount of uh, square footage that the measuring tape would use. Um, if the yard is like one inch by one inch, the measuring tape used to measure the, the this little yard, um, if it's like a half inch wide, would be about half the area of the yard itself. But if the yard is like, you know, 100 uh, miles on each side, then the area will be almost negligible. So that's why x, square, x over x squared uh, tends to zero, 
as um, x goes to infinity. This mathematical concept is known as limits, and we've talked about it before. But uh, it suffice it to say it's one of the foundational concepts in formalizing calculus. And uh, not in just formalizing calculus, but um, it's used actively within calculus itself and various fields that use calculus. There's usually not a big field called calculus. So here's some examples of big O for various algorithms. There's big O of 1. So big O of 1 just means in constant time. One example is that in uh, the analysis of algorithms, uh, memory access is uh, considered to be big O of 1. And so, it's, so is addition. And of course, there's some nuance within this. For example, a machine that has to index um, 100 petabytes of RAM, probably using you know modern technology, could not be built as quickly as a very tiny uh, machine that has to access uh, 16 bits of memory. So the size of what you're talking about can actually affect the big O values of what you're talking about. And also with addition, if you're dealing with variable length addition, you would actually have to pop that up to big O of N. And big, within big O of 1, there's amortized big O of 1. And that is uh, still just big O of 1, but what it is is um, it's when sometimes the operation takes longer than one, than one unit of time, but overall it takes one unit of time. So for example, what, what does this actually mean? So let's talk about dynamic array insertion. An array is just a list of items that are in a row. So you can index like the third or fifth item. In a lot of programming languages like uh, C and um, assembly, a lot of more bare bones programming languages, um, arrays are of a constant length by definition. Um, but in um, other programming languages, um, arrays can be variable length. So the way, a lot of times the way this is uh, achieved is that when the a capacity of the dynamic array has been reached, the array length is doubled. Allocating this memory just takes a big O of n time because, uh, because uh, you just allocate the memory, which actually takes less than big O of n time using, using most algorithms. I've seen some that do it in a big O of log n of time, but just copying over the array to this new memory will take big O of n time. However, most of the time it takes big O of 1 time. And if you take big O of n plus n times big O of 1 divided by n plus 1, you basically get a line a line over a line, and which equals big O of 1. Next up um, in the common uh, formulas, there's big O of log n of time, uh, which is finding a value in a sorted array. So if we have a, val a bunch of uh, values in an array, and the array is sorted, so one example of this is like a dictionary. All the, all the words are sorted by um, lexical order. So finding a value in a dictionary one approach you could do is you could um, open to the middle, um, then you can, uh, then if you're ahead of the word, then you divide the first half in middle, but if you're behind the word, then you divide the second half in middle, and you just keep going left and right, dividing um, it in halves and halves until you're um, on one page. And that's an algorithm known as binary search, and it's basically the fastest sort of algorithm uh, for um, of sorted array. There are some uh, algorithms actually that are big log, log big O of log log n, like uh, it's called actually a Y fast tree T R I E. I recommend searching that up on your own time because it's a kind of a big thing to um, understand. But um, yeah, moving on, we have big O of n, which is adding a list of numbers together because you have to read each number and add it to the previous one, and each one of that each uh, um, of those operations takes constant time. So constant plus constant plus constant n times is big O of n. This is also finding the minimum of a list of numbers um, if the numbers are uh, not sorted because it's going to take on average going through half the list and big O of n divided by 2 
is just big O of N. Remember from before, because they have the same asymptotic uh, runtime. So it helps us classify this algorithm with others if we just write a big O of N. Then we have big O of N squared, which is uh, sorting a list of numbers using bubble sort. Uh, so bubble sort is basically just um, you, let's say you wanted to sort a pack of cards. So you put them all under the table and you started at the first pair of cards and you'd say, okay, if the one on the left has a um, higher value than the one on the right. Um, so let's say that spades had a higher value than clubs and clubs had a higher value than diamonds and diamonds than uh, hearts. Um, you would just uh, be like, okay, does it go to the left or the right of this? And if it goes to the right, then you'd swap. But if it goes to the left, then you don't swap. And then you look at the second and third card. And then you go all the way to the end. And then you go right back to the beginning. But then you move one card over and then you start there. And then you go to the end again. If you do that over and over again until you're just going, uh, basically going all the way down, but moving one card down each time. And each time you move down, you compare pairs of cards you get a sorted array using bubble sort. And this was one of the first sorting um, array, sorting algorithms discovered. Um, but uh, it was beaten by some that are O of N log N, N times log N, which sort, sort things in a quicker time. And usually these are divide and conquer algorithms, like quick sort, uh, which uh, you pick a random uh, number within a list, you separate the array into the numbers that are less than and higher than this value, then you uh, divide each of those uh, lists, the ones that are less than and the ones that are more than, into their own lists. And then you sort them using the same thing until you're down to just pairs of numbers, which you sort directly. And then you just uh, go all the way back up and uh, you have sorted things. And then there's heap sort, which uh, would take a long time to uh, describe. But uh, basically, you keep arranging uh, different subsets of the array into what is called heaps, uh, which... Maybe we'll do an episode on uh, data structures at some point. And then uh, if you want to go to um, algorithms that have really bad time complexity, you have things like big O of uh, 2 to the N, which means that every additional piece of data that you uh, data or input that you have to process doubles the runtime of your uh, approximately doubles the runtime of your algorithm. So there's a thing called the traveling salesman problem. And what this is, is let's say there's a salesman who wants to go from city to city and uh, they know um, how long it takes to get from one city to another. What is the most efficient route? This actually turns out for a, lot, a large number of cities to be a very difficult problem. So if you think about it, 2 to the 100th is already at um, 1 novillion, which means that if you do a billion um, calculations every second um, that uh, for this operation, so... And w which is actually a lot, uh, probably less than it would be because you have to, each um, operation in a modern computer is about, is done at a third of a nanosecond per clock cycle. So usually these take hundreds of nanoseconds, if not uh, microseconds. Um, so uh, for this to be one nanosecond, it takes uh, basically 10 to the 21st seconds. And how many years would that be? Which would take 10 trillion years for 100 cities. Uh, to calculate um, using dynamic programming. And uh, let me just stop right now to say uh, the reason why we don't care uh, what why I haven't said uh, what base of logarithm and have just been saying log is because um, logarithm, if you take base 3 log, if you take the base 3 log of a number divided by the uh, base 10 log of that number, you're always just going to get um, log base 3 of 10. Uh, no matter what. Um, so so basically for any two um, logarithmic bases, you're going to get a constant ratio. If you think about it, this makes sense. 
Remember, uh, with logarithms, it's the opposite of exponentiation. So um, since 2 times 2 times 2 times 2 times 2, that is to say 2 to the 5th is 32, log base 2 of 32 is 5. Because it is log base 2 of 32 is asking, um, is, is saying this is how many times 2 would have to be raised to the power of to equal where we're taking the log of, which is 32. So then we have the change of log base formula, meaning that if we want to go from one log base to another, so let's say we want to take the log of something in an arbitrary base, like let's say you do it on a calculator, you know, like just like a, a garden variety scientific calculator. You take the log of the number divided by the log of the base. And it turns out that if you take uh, two numbers written this way um, and you divide them by one another, you end up with, a, with, with uh, one log over the other. So, um, and remember, a constant times a big O is just that same big O. We'll go over later on how to do arithmetic with big O notation uh, here in just a second, actually. But yeah, suffice it to say, this would take um, a very long time, 10 trillion years. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, and so what do people do when they want to do this? Because if you think about it, there's a lot of real life applications that this needs to be done for. For example, planning routes for delivery drivers. And... In these cases, approximations are used, which is usually um, done using uh, randomized algorithms. Stochastic algorithms, is as, as they're known. These basically just uh, randomize information to kind of try random solutions within various confines and refine the solutions uh, according to a certain uh, measure of how close that function is to the desired function. This is using everything from uh, evolutionary programming to, um, at its heart, uh, machine learning. And if we're doing the traveling salesman problem by brute force, we take big O of n factorial, that's to say one times two times three all the way to n. And this just explodes. I would play with this on paper if you have time. So how do we do arithmetic on big O values? Well, we discussed before how multiplying by a constant maintain the same big O value. So if f is big O of n squared, that means that f of n divided by n squared approaches a constant over time. And you can write is with a little c with a, uh, with a line going from the left to the right. Um, it's like a little e as well. It kind of looks like a fastly drawn epsilon, um, and it, but it's written in the same space that the equals operator is written in. So you do like f sideways, f squished e, big O of uh, n squared. So multiplying f by a constant is not going to change the big O notation. So k times big O of g, you know, g being the function in our big O, would just remain big O of g. Now let's say we have some uh, f that's uh, big O of g and f prime that's big O of g prime. We would know then that f times f prime is uh, big O of g times g prime. Basically, what that's saying is that like, you know, big O of n times big O of n is uh, big O of n squared. And sometimes you run into this kind of stuff. So if you're doing loops within loops, for example, like um, if you do like, um, so in programming, there's a thing called a for loop. So you do like for one to a hundred. So I mean, so you do, you, you so like for i is from one to a hundred. So you set i as one and then you do the stuff within the loop. So you could do like print i and they would just write i to the screen, um, which the current value of i, which would be 1 to the screen. And um, then it sets i to 2 and does the same stuff within the loop. 
So if you do nested loops, which is loops within loops, um, you get to like an o, big O of n cubed and to the fourth for four loops. And if you do, and this is why a lot of rookie programmers have have code that runs for a very long time, uh, because they run so many loops within themselves. All right, and uh, if you have a function times a big O function, then you could just pop the function within the big O function. So like uh, n squared, like four n squared times big O of n would be big O of four n cubed, which is itself big O of n cubed. And when you add two big O functions, you just take the one that grows quicker. So uh, big O of n plus big O of n squared is big O of n squared. Hey, Breaking Math fans. First, I want to thank you for listening. I have an important message for everyone. You can start your own podcast right now with Anchor. Anchor lets you create and distribute your own podcast. Just get an idea, record, and upload. It's just that easy. Anyone can do it. I'm on my way to accomplishing my dream, and you can too. Just get on your device's app store and download Anchor. It contains everything you need to make a podcast. With Anchor, you can put your podcast on all the big platforms. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Amazon, and more. Reach the whole world with Anchor. Best of all, Anchor is free. You have nothing to lose with a free platform. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. One other use case for big O notation is in numerical analysis. So let's say we want to calculate a value and we want to know how accurate we are. So for example, uh, if we want to take e to the x, which is uh, the basis for a lot of uh, numerical computations at their heart, including uh, if you, a lot of times on your calculator when you do like 3.4 to the x, it's actually doing um, e to the log 3.4 times x, which uh, ends up being the same thing. So e to the x is equal to 1, uh, 1 over 0 factorial, which is 1 over 1, plus x over 1 factorial, plus x squared over 2 factorial, plus x cubed over 3 factorial, and so on. So uh, yeah, as, uh, x, so as uh, the factorial number increases, x uh, uh, doesn't increase as quickly. Uh, so you can see that as a big O problem within itself. But uh, there's another big O problem here too. If we're dealing with very small numbers, uh, which sometimes happens in uh, specific uh, numerical applications, so much less than one in this context, sometimes we don't have to write even that many terms we could stop at uh, three terms. So that'd be e to the x is one plus x plus x squared would be over two would be our approximation. And we would need this when, and we would only need uh, this rough of an approximation when we're dealing with uh, like numbers that are, ex numbers that are extremely small near the error um, term already. So how do we write the uh, amount of error? What we can actually do is we can write um, error, you sometimes write in as epsilon, as O of x cubed. So here, big O notation is kind of used in the reverse way, where um, big x cubed is supposed to be very tiny. So for example, if x is 10 to the negative fifth, x cubed would be 10 to the negative 15th. So an error of big O of x cubed would mean that it's some constant times uh, 10 to the um, negative 15th is in the ballpark of the error term. Ballpark of the error term. Uh, this is used constantly in numerical analysis. So um, if you go into uh, scientific computing or uh, any field like that, you're going to have to learn that. And this notation is uh, pretty extensible. Um, so you could talk about, um, there's, uh, so for example, there's a sub-exponential notation, which we won't go into right now, but that's uh, 2 to the little o of n, which uh, 
can be, you know, written, which can be analyzed uh, using regular big O notation. Um, I'll leave that as an exercise to the listener, like a lazy mathematician who totally isn't lazy and just decided to do a podcast. Um, but uh, I also recommend to kind of uh, learn more about uh, the big O notation, kind of get a feel for it. On Wikipedia, uh, check out the articles on big O notation, time complexity, and amortized analysis. All right, everyone. So thank you for listening to this problem episode about uh, big O notation. It's one of my favorite topics, and I'm glad I got to do a full thing kind of dedicated to it. I mean, we've talked about it before, but um, yeah, I'm glad that I got to talk about it. Um, so, uh, as always keep on breaking math. Oh, and, uh, if you want to buy my poster, um, which is a, a summary, uh, a, a pretty big overview, but, uh, it gets into some core, um, linear algebra concepts and stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's, uh, talking about tensors and how to apply tensors to ge geometry intuitively and stuff like that. Um, it's uh, fifteen dollars and fifteen cents plus four dollars and fifty cents shipping handling if you're in the United States. Um, if you're outside of the United States, just message me. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I've seen people put it up in their offices, and um, I'm uh, thrilled with all the uh, good feedback we've gotten on our website. Um, and oh, to get those, go to just facebook.com/breakingmathpodcast. Just click on shop. Uh, we're going to have our own dedicated shop pretty soon, but until then, uh, just keep going there for our um, merchandise. All right. Uh, I'm babbling, so see everybody.